Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. A little later in the show, we're going to talk about United Sound Systems Studios and what role it plays in the history of music here in the city of Detroit. We're also going to talk about StoryCorps and the fact that they're coming here to Detroit. You're going to be able to go and tell your great stories about the city of Detroit and the state of Michigan for posterity. But up front, uh, several state and city officials face new charges in the Flint water crisis. The charges include involuntary manslaughter for people, including Michigan Director of Health and Human Services Nick Lyon and former emergency manager Darnell Early. Michigan Chief Medical Executive Eden Wells faces charges of obstruction of justice and lying to a police officer. These are the most high-reaching and severe charges yet related to the water crisis. Will they stick, and how difficult will it be for prosecutors to prove them in court? Could charges go even higher, even into the governor's office? Here to catch us up on where all of that is is David Layton. He is the Genesee County prosecutor and will be one of the people who prosecutes charges related to the Flint water crisis. David, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. Good hey. to be with you. Yes, uh, good to have you here. Uh, let's talk first about, uh, I, I, just catch us up on on where we are with, uh, with, with, with what you guys are doing, and then give us a sense also of what this has been like to try to peel back the layers, uh, get all the information together to try to determine what the criminal liability is in what we all know as a huge uh, man-created humanitarian crisis. Well, it's the largest investigation I've ever been involved with, and I headed up, uh, you might recall, the Pearson Hood investigation here in Flint some uh-huh. years ago uh-huh. where we had a number in excess of uh, two dozen individuals charged with violent crimes around the Flint area. And that was big at the time. And this is larger than that in terms of the amount of information that the investigators have had to gather, the number of people they've had to interview. And just to get your arms around this has been a massive undertaking. And I must say the Attorney General has shown tremendous leadership in being able to do this because this is one of those investigations that's so unwieldy, it's very difficult to really uh, take it all in. But we've done that. We've gathered up this evidence. We've taken what we have. We've applied it to the various criminal statutes that are on the books in the state of Michigan, and those are the resulting charges to date. Uh, Some people say that this is a little bit of political grandstanding on the part of the Attorney General in particular, and that uh, the the underlying facts here make it hard to see how a charge like involuntary manslaughter, which requires that you prove that these people knew uh, that that uh, the Legionnaires uh, outbreak was going to happen and did nothing about it. People say that's just a real reach and that maybe this is about, uh, you know, making a statement or trying perhaps to to get these people to cooperate in, in investigating others. How do, you, how do you answer that? Well, we've all heard that. I know he's heard it. Um, I don't believe that, well, let me say it this way. First of all, I think he'd have been better off politically to let the feds handle this or let me handle this on my own since this is my community. 
there's nothing there's really no real upside to taking on a, a prosecution because it doesn't make you the most popular person in the room there's people that i've seen in his in in uh, his party that have been un, unhappy with him certainly there are people in the democratic party who are uh complaining about what he's doing but my take on it is that the attorney general took an oath of office he t- takes it seriously he realizes that this is part of the duty that he has undertaken and he has gone at this in a professional and uh, responsible way getting the job of being a prosecutor or an attorney general is a political situation you sure. have to be political to get the job you got to run for it yeah correct or or in the US attorney's position get appointed to it but doing the job should never be political and i think attorney general shooty has stayed above the fray he's heard the noise and really what we've done is we've turned down the volume and we've just plowed ahead based on the evidence and the law and that's the way it's supposed to be yeah uh this is detroit today on 1019 wdet i'm stephen henderson uh, my guest is david layton he's the genesee county prosecutor uh, part of the team that is investigating the flint water crisis big news a few weeks ago in that investigation involuntary manslaughter charges leveled against michigan director of health and human services nick lyon and former emergency manager darnell early uh what do you think about these charges what do you think about the trajectory of the flint water crisis investigation do you think that criminal charges of this of this level are appropriate uh, in this uh, investigation. Would you like to see them extend maybe further into the governor's office? 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones if you want to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, uh, and we will work your comments into the conversation. Uh, David, I want to ask you also about the governor. Uh, uh, you guys did not get a chance to interview the governor for this investigation. There was a really interesting column in the Free Press last weekend about why that might be true. Uh, one one theory is that uh, the governor was a target of the investigation, and that would have prevented a judge from uh, from uh, allowing a subpoena to be issued for him to testify. Uh, a lot of people believe that the governor should be included in this uh, in this investigation. A lot of people send me emails all the time saying he should be charged criminally. I know you can't talk too much about the the the, the investigation and its inner workings, but give us a sense of of how the governor figures into this and how he might figure into it in the future. Well, I think the attorney general addressed that. I think he called it, uh, you know, he said, I believe at his press conference, is my recollection, is that he he asked the question flat out, why aren't you charging Governor Snyder? And the the answer that he gave then and that I'll give now in probably different words is that, we follow the evidence and we if we have evidence that there's probable cause that a crime was committed and there's probable cause that a particular individual committed that crime then we're going to charge it that's our duty at this point we don't have probable cause that 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 has happened so therefore there are no charges but we are continuing to investigate and i'm not saying that that we will ever charge 
anybody else or that we won't charge other people or maybe we will. Uh, it's just going to, we follow the trail of evidence. You know, I've been a prosecutor now here 13 years. Mm-hmm. So I, I do, I, this is all, this is what, what I do every day. I have a staff of lawyers that gather every day down in the district court and the, in the uh, warrant division and they meet with police officers. They hear their evidence either orally or in writing and they review it to determine if there's probable cause. So what you have to have is you have to have a police officer or in our case of the water investigation, an investigator uh, headed by Andy Arena saying, yeah, we've got probable cause. It comes to the prosecution team. The prosecutor then determines if there's probable cause. Then, of course, we have to take it to a, a, a judge. In Genesee County, it's the, 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 the magistrate who issues the or authorizes the warrant as a sitting judge. So there's three bites of the probable cause apple right there. And then when we do the preliminary examination, or what we now call the probable cause hearing, we'll have the fourth bite at the apple to determine if there's probable cause. And if so, then it gets set for trial. So I guess it's a long answer to your question, but mm-hmm. the answer is we're just going to follow the evidence wherever it takes us. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk some about Flint itself. As I point out, you're the Genesee County prosecutor, uh, and so it was probably appropriate that you be part of the team that in- investigates this. Um, give us a sense of, from your perspective as somebody who lives in that area is part of that community uh, about the the feeling of of betrayal that uh, I, I I would imagine has has sort of set in and and how how that shapes your motivation I guess uh, in this in this investigation. Well, I'm I'm motivated out of the the, the belief that the the people of my community need not only justice but they need closure. And that's true in any criminal case. Whenever you're the victim of crime or, or God forbid, the, 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 the survivor of a victim of crime, closure really can help you mentally move forward with your life. And I don't think the people of Flint have closure at this point, nor do I sense that they have any sense of justice. I mean, even in the courthouse, I could walk out of my administrative wing right now to the water cooler, which is taped off with yellow police tape and surrounded by pallets of water, uh, cases of water in the bottle. Right here in the courthouse, in your, we're still drinking bottled water. That's right. correct. So nobody around here feels like you can turn on your tap and safely drink that water. I know, uh, as an aside, my wife and I went for dinner in a City of Flint restaurant the other night. Her first question to the waitress is, what's the status of your water? Do you have filters on it? And, and we were directed to a plaque on the wall from the health department that showed that they were significantly below the levels of lead. So the people here are, are still not in any way, shape, or form feeling uh, safe, feeling good. And you have to remember, Stephen, Flint was a very, very challenged community before any of this happened. This is like the last thing in the world Flint needed to happen. We have a very high violent crime rate. We have a very uh, high rate of poverty. Uh, We have one of the highest rates, if not the highest, of the need for child protective services to come into the homes and help folks who are not properly uh, raising or coping with child-rearing responsibilities. There are so many issues in, in Flint, 
the last thing we needed was the water crisis. And I remember visiting with a New York Times reporter who came to see me, and I said, where have you been? This has been a challenge community for years, and now all the satellite trucks are only showing up because of the water crisis. There was a lot to write about. I know the Detroit Free Press did it a lot because, you know, I, we, we see the free press up here. Sure. But but we we... Really, there were a lot of other things that could have been written and talked about and, and help that could have come this way, um, but only the water crisis brought the attention. Yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. If you want to join the conversation, uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is David Layton, the Genesee County prosecutor, also part of the team that is investigating the Flint water crisis at the state level. Uh, if you want to talk to David about uh, that investigation, about what this means to Flint and the people of Flint, uh, give us a call. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work your comments into the conversation. Uh, David, I want to ask you about a sort of quirky uh, dynamic here in, in, in this investigation. You're working with and, and, and for uh, Bill Schutte, who's the attorney general of the state of Michigan. But, you know, flashback uh, uh, eight years, I think it was, uh, in 2010, uh, you were running against Bill Schutte to become, How about that? <laughs> uh, to become the attorney general. Uh, of the state of Michigan, I mean, I, I think it's one of those it's one of those instances that that shows that uh, among prosecutors, politics means something really different than it does in other political contexts, right? I mean, it, it would be really unusual, I think, to see uh, uh, former rivals doing this in in other political contexts. In the context of a prosecution and an investigation, though, uh, that takes precedence. Yeah. Um, number one, uh, the attorney general and I get along very well. And we, we found even during what he re referred to correctly as a spirited campaign, uh, we always got along and, you know, away from the debate stage. We were talking about our kids and about football and about things that we had in common. So so we've, we've been able to build a relationship. What I love about being a prosecutor, you, you hit it on the head, Stephen. When I go to Prosecuting Attorneys Association of Michigan meetings, you don't know an R from a D in that room. And you throw out all the political labels, and we just discuss the issues, and we decide what we're going to do, and you know we voice our dissent if we don't agree, and we all move forward. I really believe that that uh, Bill and I are are showing an example of what civility in government can be and should be. We have found some issues over the years that we can work together on. This isn't the first issue we've worked together on. We worked together on preliminary examination reform, for example, and on some sentencing issues. But this one in particular, we have found that we are on the same page. He graciously has included me in his investigation and his team. He didn't have to do that. And I certainly accepted because I'd rather have a seat in the room than be out of the room. And I think that if we can do as we're doing this, we're moving forward, but we're also showing, uh, hopefully showing Michigan that you can work from different sides of the aisle together and make things happen. Yeah.
Uh, let's go to the phones here. Let's go to Charlie in Franklin. Charlie, welcome yeah. to Detroit today. Yeah. yeah. Hi. Good morning. Uh huh. My question is for the prosecutor: Has there been a direct causal link, uh, empirically established, between the Legionella and the the lead issue or the in the water pipes? Well, the lead in the water pipes and the Legionella in the water is are two different issues, first of all. Secondly, you're correct in that causation is one of the elements uh, of involuntary manslaughter that we are going to have to prove in a courtroom, uh, along with the legal duty, the knowledge of the facts uh, that gave rise to that duty, uh, and the willful, willfully neglecting or the refusal to perform the duty resulting in uh, the human life loss. Uh, we obviously believe that we have probable cause with respect to all of those elements, and we outlined it uh, pretty clearly in the charging documents that are attached to the warrant that was filed with the court. Those are all public documents. Uh, what I don't want to do is try the case in the media. I think that would be improper. And so that's pretty much got to be my answer to your question. Yeah. Uh, Charlie, thanks very much for the call and for the question. Uh, let's go to, to Coffee in Detroit. Coffee, welcome to Hi. Detroit today. Hi, good morning. Hi. Um, my comment is about um, the prosecutor uh, talking about the evidence and leaving it to where it should go. I, I appreciate that, although I do think that communities of color are sort of um, constantly re-injured by this idea that we, we're supposed to wait for the evidence, but we see um, the blue wall of silence in the police. We see people getting killed on camera and police have immunity. We see Governor Snyder uh, sort of be able to escape this without, you know, any prosecution so far. And it just feels as though there's a continued, you know, um, institutional racism at play where uh, there's a presumption of innocence on one hand by, you know, the white establishment and the communities of color are, are, are left with no recourse to, um, you know, just really have any kind of justice um, in terms of, uh, you know, various issues, police brutality in this case. I mean, then you have uh, Flint residents um, who have, I've heard, scapegoating Detroiters as the cause of why the water was switched in the first place, talking about that Detroiters don't pay their bills, which, um, you know, on the flip side of that is the governors or white officials who have were greedy enough to, you know, switch the water without having any, you know, evidence that it was going to be something that was going to be safe and clean. And so, you know, just the two narratives that are happening is, is, is it seems to yeah, be a lot. Uh, community of the color. Go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. no, that's a, I, I appreciate the call and the comments. There's, there's a lot to sort of unpack in what you're saying there. And and certainly what you're saying is something I hear a lot from people concerned about justice for people, you know, uh, people of color and, and communities that are uh, that are. Uh, that are majority people of color. Talk about talk about how that frames this investigation, David, and, and talk about the idea that uh, that the governor might escape uh, culpability for this or responsibility for this in a criminal context. A lot of people think that is kind of a fix. Well, with respect to your latter statement of uh, escape culpability, um, we can only charge people when we have evidence of probable cause. I, I, I've never lost sight of the fact that the most 
a dangerous weapon in the hands of a prosecutor is his or her pen. When we sign our name on a warrant, we are, and I don't care if it's the governor, I don't care if it's, you know, just the, the, the guy who takes out my garbage at night. It's, we're altering that person's life. It's a life-altering event, and you cannot do it uh, in a cavalier manner. You cannot do it without the necessary probable cause evidence. You just can do it when you have what you need to sustain the burden of proof uh, before that magistrate and then before the, ultimately before the jury, which is even a higher standard beyond a reasonable doubt. So I understand the frustration. I really do. I mean, I've, I've now, I'm in my fourth term here, and as I said earlier, Flint is a very, very challenged community, and I see folks every day who are victimized by various types of crime, and many, many, many of my victims who suffer the most catastrophic uh, injury from crimes are African-American people who live in the city who, you know, when you go, when you, when you look at their situation, uh, you just, you just feel terrible and you wish there was more you could do. When I, the one time I got to talk to Barack Obama when he was president, that's kind of what we talked about. What can we do to help folks living in these very difficult situations in the, in the city? Not only are, are many of the uh, uh, defendants in the city African-American, most of the victims of the crimes are African-American. And I, I have a, it's just, it, it breaks your heart to see what goes on here and, and how much more help we need to bring into the city. Yeah. But uh, with one of the things to the water investigation, yeah, we can only go, Stephen, where the evidence takes yeah. us. Yeah. One of the things I think Coffee is talking about, though, is also this, this sense that there is a double standard, I guess, that, that when the perpetrators are white uh, or the, the, the suspects are or the potential defendants are white, that, that things turn out differently than they do if, if they're African-American. I, I mean, I know I've followed this closely enough to know that there's, there's people of all kinds of ethnicities who've been charged in this, in this case so far. But, but how, do you, how do you push back against that, that sense that this fits into the larger context, I guess, nationally even, of that double standard and trying to, sh- to show that it, that it doesn't it's not at play here. Well, that's one of the reasons that I'm very pleased that I'm in the room because I represent this city and my job is to make sure that I bring justice and closure to the people of the city. And so, so far I've seen no evidence whatsoever that the dynamics are at play. We're just following the evidence where it takes us. And if we get the evidence that we're going to charge the individuals. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Jeff in Pontiac. Jeff, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. This is Jeff Kingsup. Hey. And uh, as I, um, as you know, I live in Pontiac where we were under an emergency manager for years. Yes. And it's my observation that emergency managers do very little without the direct authority from the State Department of Treasury. That's absolutely true. And uh, therefore, I find it curious that nobody from Treasury has been charged so far. I wonder if David has a comment about that. Great question, Jeff. Thank you very much for calling and asking. Uh, David Layton, why haven't we seen charges in the inside of Treasury? 
It is an excellent question, and we are all aware that the chain of command goes from the emergency manager to the Department of Treasury. I mean, that's clearly outlined in the statute. Um, but as I've said before, uh, I cannot reveal what is going on behind the scenes with respect to the investigation. All I can say is that we are aware that uh, Treasury and the emergency managers are closely linked, and the investigation continues. Okay. Okay, David Layton, Genesee County prosecutor, part of the team that's investigating the Flint water crisis. Thank you very much for joining us on Detroit Today. Stephen, thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. All right, bye-bye. Up next, United Sound Systems was awarded with a historical marker. We're going to talk about the studio that helped craft Detroit's music legacy. Stay with us on Detroit Today.